Crossover Appeal is a show that will sometimes have spoilers, but the hosts promise not to be jerks about it. Also, from time to time, Walt and Annie may get small details about the things they discuss incorrect, and they would like you to know that every time it happens, it is done on purpose to spite you specifically. Enjoy the show! Hey, everybody, and welcome to Crossover Appeal. I'm Walt McGough. And I'm Annie Cardi. Hi, Annie. Hey, Walt. Annie, what do we do on Crossover Appeal? On Crossover Appeal, we take two pieces of media, like a book or a movie or a TV show, and match it, mash it up with another book or movie or TV we, show. We and match it up, and then we mash yeah, it up. Yeah, match them and mash them. Yeah, we're it's, the... They call us the mash makers. Yeah, mashed potatoes. Do the mashed potato, <laughs> in fact. It's what we're doing right yeah. now. And it's delicious. It is. It's an actual um, Motown song. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No. Oh, okay, good. I'm oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a direct reference to one of today's mashups. Oh, that's fact. right. Yes. Oh, man. Well, that's, uh, let us not let, leave this mystery any further. Annie, what uh, mashup are we cooking up today? Today, we are cooking up a mashup between Sister Act and True Grit. Those are some good potatoes. Yeah, actually, that's delicious. Yeah. Grits, you know. Grits and potatoes. Oh, yeah. man. I want brunch some now. some real good carbs. Yeah, this is like the brunch episode. Yes. Crossover appeal. <laughs> we have uh, had lunch already. We're not. We should not be hungry. Yeah, but now I want waffles. Yeah, totally. Forever. And biscuits. Uh, well, to start us off, Annie, why don't you tell us about Sister Act? Sister Act is a musical comedy film starring Whoopi Goldberg. It came out in 1992 and actually became one of the most financially successful comedies of the early 90s. Good so, job, Sister Act. Yeah, right? I, I feel like I remember that being referred to as a, um, oh, what is it? Like a surprise film. Oh, um, a sleeper hit? A sleeper hit, yeah. Yeah. Um, which as a kid, I, I mean, I remember going to see that in the theaters, but I was like, how did everyone not know that this would be the greatest film of all time? I mean, I guess the log line sort of says hard sell if you're like yeah, nuns I mean, singing Motown. Yeah, but nuns singing Motown. Yeah, at the same time, it's a total no-brainer. Oh, totally. Uh, so the film follows Dolores Van Cartier, a large lounge singer in Reno who's in a romantic relationship with mobster Vince LaRocca. Uh, Dolores is ready to break up with him, uh, with, who since he's married and will not leave his wife. Oh, um, no. But she walks in on him, having his chauffeur Ernie executed for talking to the police. Ernie, no. So she like actually witnesses a murder. Uh, Vince orders his henchman to then kill Dolores as well because she's seen too much. Mm -hmm. uh, but Dolores manages to escape. Good job, Dolores. Yeah, right. She connects with Lieutenant Eddie Souther, who convinces her to testify against Vince, um, because again, she witnessed an actual murder. And Eddie promises that he'll keep her safe in the witness protection program in the meantime, which means that Dolores is going into hiding as Sister Mary Clarence in the failing St. Catherine's Parish in a bad part of San Francisco. This um, this to me, like, this feels like a really 90s setup. Oh, Like, totally. it happens in a bunch of movies in the 90s. The only one I can think of is Witness. Um, which has it in the title, uh -huh. but like where like <laughs> no, but like there, I feel like there was a whole genre of comedies that are like the witness protection program comedies. Yeah, they have like superfluous mob plot lines bookending them yeah. as a way to get to a high concept. That's and, true, but it's a good it's a good way to do it. Yeah, I mean, I totally buy it. The I guess and it was um like Goodfellas around that time. Yeah, but he winds up in witness protection for that one. Yeah, but you know, mob. Everybody situation. was crazy about the mob yeah, in the nineties. <laughs> 
Um, so anyway, um, Monsignor, Monsignor O'Hara at St. Catherine's is totally on board with the plan, but the Reverend Mother, mother a.k.a. Maggie Smith, is <gasps> super suspicious. Maggie Smith. So, Maggie Smith shows up again in our podcast. We love you, Maggie Smith. MVP. MVP. Most well, Maggie. Most valuable, valuable Maggie. Yeah, MVM. Uh, she thinks Dolores will put the other nuns in danger and that she won't fit in. And Dolores does have a hard time fitting in at first. But eventually she makes some friends like Sister Mary Robert and Sister Mary Patrick. But she really comes into her own when she's assigned to lead the choir. Until then, the um, the choir has been really awful and... But Dolores uses her musical background and amps up the group, including some reworked Motown songs to be a little more Jesus-themed. Like, My Guy by Mary Wells becomes My God. Because, of course. Of course. My God. My God. (laughs) The Reverend Mother is, like, way upset at the changes, but everyone else loves it and ends up bringing in way more people into the church. So Dolores also encourages the nuns to get more involved in their local community, which they do and also love. But it brings on media attention to the church, including a visit from Pope John Paul II on an American tour, which is great for the church, but bad for Dolores. Mm -hmm. Also bad for Dolores, a mole in the police department finds out where Dolores is staying. Lieutenant Eddie Souther catches the mole, but not before the info is leaked to Vince and his henchmen, who go to San Francisco to kidnap and kill Dolores. I was going to make a really great joke about how you catch a mole, but I couldn't actually think of anything. Um like a mole trap you leave a carrot out i guess yeah what are moles like um well money if they work for the mall yeah right (laughs) (laughs) um so along with lieutenant eddie souther the nuns follow dolores to reno to rescue her the hedgemen find out that they're actually hesitant to kill dolores now that she's a nun even though you would be yeah right even though vince insists that she's not really a nun um, and Lieutenant Souther catches Vince before anyone is harmed. Yay. Dolores and the nun choir get to sing in front of the Pope, and Dolores goes on to share her story with the world and continue to lead the choir, who become major bestsellers. Yay, go nuns! Yay, go nuns! Uh, so characters in the movie are obviously Woody, Whoopi Goldberg as Dolores Van Cartier in a fantastic role. With a fantastic uh, name. Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. So good. Um, Maggie Smith as the Reverend Mother, Kathy Najimi as Sister Mary Patrick, um, Wendy McKenna as Sister Mary Robert, Mary Wicks as Sister Mary Lazarus, Bill Nunn as Eddie, uh, Lieutenant Eddie Souther, Harvey Keitel as Vince LaRocca, uh, yeah. Robert Miranda as Joey, and Richard uh, Portnow as Willie, a.k.a. the henchman. Um, yeah, I feel like these are people who end up showing up in other kind of 90s It's a movies. lot of that guys yeah, and that exact, gals right. and that gods. Nothing you can say. <laughs> from that god so yeah it's again just a great cast of characters and it's it's a wonderful ensemble again led by whoopi goldberg and maggie smith like what more could you want from Mm -hmm. a movie well i actually did think of one more one thing i would have wanted more which is i accidentally glanced at the show notes and instead of bill nunn's thought it said bill nighy as (laughs) lieutenant eddie souther that would be real and i was like well yeah that would make it better yeah oh yeah I feel like I would actually like Bill Nye to be the priest in the movie instead. Yeah, no, he would have been a great one. Yeah. yeah. Um, so some themes from the movie is that um, the unexpected can lead to great things. Like the convent is the last place Dolores wants to be, but it turns out to be where she truly finds herself and a place to use her gifts. Uh, the Reverend Mother thinks that Dolores will only cause problems for the convent and thinks the new music is too much. But they end up bringing the church great success. So even if something looks like a bad idea to start with, it could be exactly what you need. 
Um, another theme is sisterhood, like literally. Hi Dolores learns that by truly connecting with the sisters, she can create a community and find her place. Um, and similarly, the importance of outreach. Like Dolores and the nuns really thrive when they're doing good work in their community. You can't just shut yourself off from other people and society. If you put good out there, good will come back to you. Mm, I like that. Yeah. Like it's a really positive movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and some things I like and think other people would like are just the movie is wicked funny. Whoopi Goldberg and the rest of the cast are adorable and hilarious and awesome. Also awesome, the music. Yeah, it is. It really, like, it's one of the best movie soundtracks. Yeah. Just really fun and upbeat and... Yeah, and just energetic. Yeah. And it's just, it's fun and to like listen to. Motown classics. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also a movie that totally passes the Bechdel test. It stars lots of awesome ladies and is led by a woman of color. Yeah. So pretty cool. Yeah. Girl power. Girl power. Yay. Um, so yeah, speaking of girl power, do you want to tell us a little about True Grit? I will. Uh, yeah, True Grit is a 2010 Western. Um, we're talking about the 2010 film version. Um, there's a few different versions, but the one that we're going to be talking about today was directed by the Coen Brothers. Um, it's our first Coen Brothers film. Oh, yeah. Congratulations. Good job, guys. Annie, we did it. This is a good one to start with, too. Yeah, I think so. Um, they directed the film. Uh, it is an adaptation of the novel by Charles Portis. Which is also great. Yeah, which Annie has read and I have not actually so I may be asking you for expert opinions yeah. at certain points um, but uh, there was also an earlier film adaptation in 1969 which starred John Wayne and Kim Darby uh, John Wayne playing the role that is played by Jeff Bridges in the 2010 version um, so the basic synopsis uh, is the the film's follows the story of Maddie Ross, who's a very precocious and no-nonsense 14-year-old whose father is killed by a drunken outlaw named Tom Cheney uh, Cheney then runs away and escapes into Indian territory uh, outside of the town where he kills Maddie's father. Uh, and he teams up with a group of bandits led by Lucky Ned Pepper, which is just a great bandit outlaw yeah, name. There are some real good names in this movie. There or, really are. Like, yeah. I, mean, I, I even... Um, uh, uh, Tom Chaney. It's, it seems like a real good drunken outlaw yeah, name. Absolutely. And Ned Pepper is played by actor Barry Pepper. So oh, wow. you know, I'm guessing that at least played some part in the casting. Um, <laughs> you can only cast people who's. We name. only want Peppers. That's, I mean, that's like Chris Evans playing uh, whatever his name is in Snowpiercer with that's the same true. initials. Oh, yeah. Man. Well, you know, Veruca Salt tried out for the part and they were like, you are exactly wrong for this, Veruca Salt, <laughs> to play Ned Pepper. Yeah, they're opposites. But you work well together. The joke took a little while to get around, but I think it got there eventually. I think especially because Veruca Salt is a character and right. not a person. Oh, yeah. No, I know. It works. But she said, don't care how, I want it now. Boom. There we go. All right. We pulled into the joke station. There we go. Um, which is good <laughs> because Maddie arrives in town on a train. <laughs> <laughs> she has come to collect her father's body. Uh, but upon arrival in the town where he was killed, she actually reveals that her real plan is to send the body back uh, to the family for burial and then to stay in town and hire a U.S. marshal to take her into Indian territory in pursuit of Cheney so that she can bring him to face justice in Arkansas for the murder of her father. That's a girl who is really dedicated to revenge which i respect yeah absolutely yeah <laughs> um she looks uh for a few for a u.s marshal who can escort her and uh based on the sheriff's recommendation uh finds rooster cogburn who's a drunken belligerent marshal played by jeff bridges he's sort of like a cross between the dude and the terminator yeah, uh that just, feels pretty accurate yeah it's just a really wonderful performance from jeff bridges um she also crosses paths with a Texas Ranger in town named LaBeef, 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 
I think it's in the film it's pronounced as Labeef. But... Yeah, but then it's Shia LaBeouf. But yeah, this guy like... is no Shia LaBeouf. He's Matt Damon. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> he just rips off a Shia LaBeouf mask. He would have gotten away with it too. <laughs> If it hadn't been for that darn kid, fourteen-year-old, <laughs> yay! <laughs> um, well, Labeef is there to look for Cheney himself because he's there to collect on a bounty for Cheney in Texas, which does not make Maddie happy because she wants to make sure that when Cheney hangs, he is hanging for the murder of her father and not for some other crime. So the three of them all go into Indian territory and start looking for Cheney, sometimes together and sometimes apart. They go through a few different iterations of teaming up and then fracturing and going off on their own um, and basically just keep searching, led by Maddie, to find the justice that she's looking for. Um, she eventually does get that justice, but it comes at some pretty significant cost and not really in the way that she or anybody involved anticipates it. Um, she also winds up losing her arm to uh, to snakebite. Um, the coda of the film shows uh, that Maddie, who has been narrating this as sort of a look back, is now older. She has grown up older and remained largely alone. Um, she's unmarried. She's run her family's business affairs, but that's pretty much it. Um, and she uh, gets back in touch with Rooster Cogburn, um, um, who is coming to a nearby town in a Western exhibition that he's been t- uh, taking part of. So she goes to see him, but finds out that he has just recently passed away. So she pays to have his body brought back to her estate and buried there. Um, and that's kind of where the film ends. So we get this little coda about these people who have sort of drifted apart and then yeah. come back uh, in a strange way. And, um, just backtracking a little, I think one thing I really like about the the ending, um, kind of prior to the, the coda, is that each of these three main characters um, gets to save one of the other ones oh, in yeah. some way. Like, I feel like it was it Maddie saves Labeef and... Mm-hmm. Labeef saves Cogburn. Yeah, and Cogburn, Cogburn saves, saves Matt. Yeah, like I love that it's it's so balanced. It's not just like Maddie starts them on this journey and they get to take this other guy down. It's, yeah. it's very much like they are a team. Yeah, and they all get to sort of be their best selves in yeah. the climax. Um, and the uh, the way that Maddie gets snake bit is she she does shoot Chaney, um, but then is knocked back into a pit full of rattlesnakes mm-hmm. and is bitten. Uh, and then Cogburn sort of rides her to safety. But um, So it's this idea of vengeance that gets very intertwined with also cost and penalty, yeah. and, uh, and which moves into uh, in some of the themes but first we'll talk about the characters because the characters in this movie are just really amazing um in a way that i feel like i can totally see why the coen brothers are drawn to this film because i think they tend to love character in general um so the main character maddie ross is played by Haley steinfeld um in a really fantastic role yeah and i believe it was her debut i think if not it was the first real big movie it was certainly her breakthrough um she's sort of tough as nails no nonsense very religious uh and just driven um she is also really good at haggling uh and a little bit oh, scary for she, the adults who encounter her. I feel her. like she's like a little like Paris Geller from Gilmore Girls. Oh, yeah. Just like a real tough kid mm-hmm. and people don't exactly like her. Yeah, exactly. She's not trying to be likable and yeah. she succeeds. Um, there's also Rooster Cogburn played by Jeff Daniels. Like I said, the dude meets the Terminator. Um, he's just really one of his best performances, especially in recent Jeff years, Daniels? I think. Jeff, God, Jeff Bridges. Yeah. Excuse me. <laughs> be a very different movie with Jeff Daniels. Yeah. <laughs> but a pretty good movie. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure he would still do fine. Yeah. But this is a very, oh, very Jeff Bridges totally. role. Um, ooh, thank you for catching that. No problem, because I was like, 
wait a minute, that doesn't sound quite right. Well, you know, I once had a professor tell me that I looked like Jeff Daniels, so he's always my go-to Jeff. Aw. Um, yeah. Uh, Labeef, played by Matt Damon, who really, I think, in the role, has a lot of fun playing off of his own sort of celebrity status. Um, Labeef is kind of a highly vain, um, a little bit self-centered character uh, who is a lot of talk and doesn't get a lot of chances to actually sit behind the talk and mm-hmm. show off. Um, he also spends the whole movie getting the most sort of physically injured and damaged as things go on um so yeah it's a fun role for matt damon he gets to play a little bit against type while also being very matt damon-y uh, and then there's Tom Chaney, who is played by Josh Brolin, in what are, I think is really a nicely understated kind of performance. Um, he's just this guy who's kind of this perennial loser and is convinced that nothing is actually his fault. Yeah, he's he's a real sad sack of a villain. Yeah, it's like every, even the gang doesn't like him no, very much. No, like the gang leader is oddly, like he is um, like lawful evil. Yeah, I would say, yeah, Ned Pepper. He's yeah. like, he's got a code of honor. Right. And... Um, but yeah, whereas I feel like Tom Chaney would just be like chaotic evil. Cause yeah, he just doesn't he... even know what's going no, on. No, he doesn't know what's going on. He always wants to blame people for mm-hmm. his failures. And... Yeah, and not take responsibility yeah. for anything. Um, so yeah, I think it's a really well-rounded cast. It's also, there are all of these like backwoods types and Wild West types um, who play into the Coen brothers' strengths. I think you can really see why this story appealed to them because I think mm-hmm. in all of their movies, one of the things they're amazing at is just finding these character actors who yeah. you've never seen before. And have really but, distinctive looks. Mm-hmm, and like fit a character exactly and then like vanish into the mist. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's a, it's a really fun cast. Um as far as themes go, I think uh, the meaning of justice and sort of the cost of retribution, uh, Maddie pays a large price for the vengeance that she gets, uh, and it doesn't actually really resolve anything. It's not like this is the end of her story or something, because she yeah, has a whole life. Yeah, and it doesn't change her daily life. Like, her father is still dead. Mm-hmm. Um, She's still got this really rigid code. Yeah, and I think it's it's about the emotional payoff in that mm-hmm. more than the, the real like legal justice. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like the importance of fellow travelers as well. I think yeah. none of neither Maddie or Rooster or Labeef recognize the importance of the people they're with really while the event is happening, but then it finishes and it's this thing that all three of them have experienced that no one else could understand. I also really like your point that they all help each other at the end. Mm-hmm. I think it really drives home this idea that like the people on this journey are the thing that matters, even if they're all so focused on their goal. Yeah, it's not about like Rooster Cogburn as the hero or anything in, in that vein. It's like this is very much a team story. Yeah, and it's not even about like a redemption arc for yeah. Rooster or something. Like he's a drunk at the beginning, yeah. he's a drunk all the way through, and like Labeef and, doesn't particularly change. No, and like Maddie ends up growing up as a kind of a solitary person. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. yeah, this is... The relationships that they develop while on this journey are the most important relationships they have for the rest of their lives. Yeah, and it puts the uh, sort of the lie to this idea that grand adventure is the way you build character. Yeah. There's an element of just you are who you are. Yeah. Um, I would also say it's a really exciting Western. There's lots of great action in it, but it's all kept a little bit at a distance. I think there's a really simple kind of sadness and heart infusing the whole film that is really nice. And uh, mm-hmm. a nice. I think it fits well into a lot of modern sort of revisionist Westerns yeah. where there's an element of the Western as a genre being examined and looked at, which is always exciting. And personally, I just love the soundtrack uh, by Carter Browell. Mm-hmm. It's a mostly piano score, but it makes me cry every time I listen to it. Um, it's also just got these really thrilling, exciting moments and really deeply sad moments, too. Um, so it's a good one to play when you're walking around and it's cold out. 
Um, so yeah, I think these are two movies that are just you know very similar to one another on their faces. Uh, well, yeah. So, yeah, I mean the the importance of your community and the people who you connect with in these big times of trial in your life. Yeah, um, you've got disparate people being thrown into circumstances yeah. with one another uh, and forced to sort of work together or not, as the case may be. Um, I think there's also a big runner of religion in both of these as well. I mean, you've got, you know, yeah. Sister Mary Clarence joining the nunner, the yeah. convent, yeah. nunnery, excuse me. <laughs> this is Monty Python all of a sudden. Yeah, right. Um, no, joining a convent. And then as well, I think Maddie has this really strong religious passion. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. At the very least, there's a lot of faith overlaid. Yeah. Both, I guess that's a better these. way to put it. Yeah. It's. I feel. I mean, obviously, you know, um, Sister Act is about nuns. It's set in a Catholic church. It's a very particular religious setup. But even in that way, it doesn't talk a, a lot about like the power of Jesus or particular yeah. parts of that faith. Well, it's also like I mean, Whoopi Goldberg does not go through like the rites of initiation right. to join like, the order. She is not an actual nun. Um, yeah. And yeah, in the same way, I feel like religion is a part of Maddie's life, but. She's not like praying to get through this, right? Um, she's but not... she she feels a connection to a larger, like a universal truth. Yeah, a very Old Testament yeah. universal <laughs> truth. I think is sort of her deal. Um, so yeah, I think there are some fun themes that really sort of cross over in this. Um, also, uh, gang violence. Yeah, and the looming threat. Oh, totally! <laughs> like the problems of organized crime mm -hmm. and and the violence that is. Uh, perpetrated against regular people exactly and the inefficiency of local police forces it's true like lieutenant south or in um in sister act is great but again moles in the department yeah moles everywhere an yeah. infestation of moles um oh. i know i'm just imagining like Oh, you know, I, me too. Like, yeah. like poking up under the desks yeah. and stuff. That'd be a very cute investigation. Aww. It would also probably be a, very problematic and cause a lot of property damage, but it'd be cute. It'd be so cute. I feel that if they have a, um, a Zootopia sequel, they mm -hmm. can have that. Oh, it? yay. Yeah. It's a mole. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I also think both protagonists wind up in a lawless land of retribution and absence of rules, a convent versus Indian territory. Um, Where's the absence of rules in the convent? They're yeah, all all yeah. rules. That's true, but but I mean, she is in a tougher part of San Francisco. Oh, also um, true, but brings again, like with that outreach, brings mm -hmm. a sense of community to the people there. There we go. Yeah, yeah. That joke came around into something yeah, serious, sure. and I like oh, it. Oh, I didn't know that that was a joke. Oh, oh burn. I'm sorry. <laughs> Sick burn. <laughs> <laughs> Well, on that humbling <laughs> note, let's move into the actual physical crossover of these two properties before I have to dwell on my failures any further. <laughs> Annie, how did these worlds collide? So I feel like in this one, we need to uh, kind of AU the Sister Act universe. A little um, bit. Yeah, I think I'm going to be casting it back into the time of True Grit. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. And setting this in a convent in the Wild West. Mm -hmm. um, so in a similar situation, Dolores Van Cartier, maybe she's like a, a burlesque singer or yeah, something. Yeah, like an old mining town. Yeah, and she is involved with the local kind of mob gang leader. Mm -hmm. um, Ned Pepper. Ned Pepper. Oh, well, no, I feel like Ned Pepper and Vince, you know, now that I think about it, they both, again, they have a code. Yeah. They have a they have a plan. They're all about business. Yeah, they're all about business. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, she sees some things that she shouldn't. And now Vince 
Pepper is <laughs> after her. Um, so she she gets hidden in the the local convent. Yeah. Um, and you know, Diggett like begins her outreach program with the mm. the local whatever mining community. There. Miners need need religion as yeah. much as anybody and music. Yeah, totally. Um, and she learns about young Maddie Ross, oh. who has also you know she's lost her father yeah. to the same mobster. It's true. So is Maddie a nun in this? No, she... no, she's just a girl. She's come to town, and like maybe the nuns are like responsible for doing the last rites on her father's body or something. Yeah, I like that. And like maybe they perform the medicine or something when Maddie comes back snake bear. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you kind of. Uh, more of a crossover at the fringes because yeah. I really can't see Dolores going out hunting people down. Yeah, they would but intersect. maybe she gets kidnapped. Oh. Like, kind of like towards the end of Sister, oh, yeah. Sister Act, and then she becomes part of the gang. Oh, man. Or not the gang, the group. The, yeah, the, Rooster Cogburn, yeah. et cetera. Yeah, and she's not bound by the laws of God, so no. she can join into this yeah. retribution. Yeah. Man, this took a turn. I know, right? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I can totally buy that. I think that, like, yeah, they're characters who can intersect with one another. Yeah. Um, I feel like Rooster Cogburn would be a big fan of Dolores's when she was a burlesque singer. Oh, totally. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think uh, for me, my way of getting them into the same timeline, I think, would involve so obviously Maddie, you know, fires her gun uh, and uh, gets knocked back into the snake pit mm-hmm. and all of that. Um, and I think I need to apply a little bit of comic book logic to this uh-huh. because, you know, she gets snake bit. They know that the doctor's a long Super ride off. Uh, oh, no, that would be awesome. <laughs> I mean, maybe, yeah, maybe I'll go retcon that in now. Um, But no, I think uh, Rooster knows that the doctor is too far away to save her. So they need to somehow keep her preserved until she can uh, be in a world that can treat her her affliction. So, Mm -hmm. you know, they take her deeper into the mine and comic book logic. It's very cold. It's winter. Uh, They just freeze her. Um, uh-huh. her, you know, leave her just down there like encased in uh, encased in ice, just like yep. Captain America. Just, uh-huh. She's a Captain America of the old west. Yep. Um, she with gets, her snake powers. Exactly. She gets thawed out by a construction crew building a casino. And um, actually, I mean, San Francisco, that is the the west. Yeah, that's true. You know? um, so yeah, maybe not even building a casino because that would be Vegas, but building oh, well, the building Rio, the convent. Yeah, never mind. Or building the convent, yeah. I think. Um, that would bring it even more so. Um, so she's this kind of miracle. Of course, the nuns are interested in that. Uh, so that gets her intersected in that way. And then I think Rooster is just like, he drinks a lot, so he's probably like totally pickled and just doesn't die. There you go. Um, so he's still around. So, you know, contemporary adventures between Maddie and Rooster in San Francisco uh-huh. um, with Whoopi Goldberg as well. Yep. Maybe not the strongest possibility for a crossover, but I don't know. I'd read that comic. Yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> so assuming that somehow they all wind up somehow in the same the place. Somehow the timelines converge. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, and Labeef is just, he's eternal because he's Matt Damon. And so, you know, he He's looks ready great. to go to Mars. Yeah, but he keeps on getting injured in different adventures. So, you know, by the time he winds up in present day, he's pretty messed up. So assuming that these two timelines do converge, uh, let's yes. talk about some games and who does what with whom. Um, how about Kiss Your Faces? So, uh, Kiss Your Face is a little difficult, considering most of the characters in Sister Act have taken a vow of chastity. Oh, right. That does make it tough, doesn't it? Yeah, but we have Dolores. um, And, yeah, I mean, I feel like uh, Rooster, you know, I'm sure he's a guy who's looking for some fun. Oh, absolutely. Um, They probably, I feel like they could have, like, a really, like kind of romantic backstory. Yeah, they used like to run now, together again. Yeah. I think when she was a burlesque singer. Right, like and like he, back in the day, they were both young and, yeah. and again into each other. And, uh-huh. and I think that like 
maybe when they all get together, like Labeef sort of starts thinking that he can put the moves on her. And so there's more tension between Labeef and Rooster. Uh-huh. Like, you know, and I think maybe I don't know if she'd be interested in Labeef at all or not. I was thinking maybe we could have Labeef and um, Lieutenant Eddie Souther because they're both oh, yeah. the lawmen of the, the community. Yeah. At minimum, I would give them a best buddies. Yeah. Oh, that um, is true. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, I could see that. Um, yeah, I don't remember if Labeef ever mentions any romantic he has the sort of weird thing where he's watching maddie sleep oh yeah but it's more about intimidation yeah. than like him trying to make an entrance than yeah. anything so it's not really you know yeah he doesn't actively pursue anything but it's also a world of dudes and then a 14 year old girl yeah so that is true there are not as many i think sister act is all nuns and true <laughs> true grit is all dudes or children yeah. so there, it's not as ample of a kiss your faces no, field that as is one true might hope. uh so yeah let's move to uh battle dome um, who's punching each other? This one might make a little more sense. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I feel like, you know, again, even the like both of the police characters, either Eddie or Labeef, would go after the opposite crime boss in their world. Yeah, like, absolutely. Um, Eddie would be trying to take down Ned Pepper. Mm-hmm. Um, Labeef would be after Vince LaRocca. Like, yeah. Um, I feel like Maggie Smith would punch Rooster Cogburn. Yes. Oh, she would find none of his sass appealing. No, no. And uh, and I don't think he would fight back. No, but she would be very upset with him. Yeah, for sure. There would be a ruler involved and he would get his knuckles wrapped. Oh, totally. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I think, uh, I don't know, would Maddie fight any of the nuns? I don't know. Um, I feel like I could see her and the Reverend Mother again, like kind of going head to head where they both have very strict codes yeah but i think their codes would come at each other at cross purposes i think i can see that yeah and they would have a lot of angry debates yes yeah um, for sure oh yeah. man the, the reverend mother is just a, a a testy person she really is well yeah she lives her life by a very particular code that is true um does dolores fight anybody well i mean i think everybody i want to see all the nuns just gang up and beat the crap out of tom cheney yes I love that. Just, yeah, I think that would be incredibly yeah. satisfying. Watching a group of nuns beat up anybody would be pretty satisfying, that is actually. True. And Tom Cheney is certainly the one who deserves it oh, most. Oh, yeah, 900%. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, let's say, um, I'm trying to think, like, I feel like, yeah, the rest of the nuns wouldn't really fight with um, Rooster or... Yeah, they're not too know. fighty. Yeah. They're nuns. Yeah. You know, that's kind of not their bag. I think Best Buddies is really going to be our key category for this one. Well, then let's move on over to Best Buddies. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, again, depending on how you want to swing this, um, either Lieutenant Eddie Souther or Labeef could be romantic Mm -hmm. interests or friends. For sure. Um, I I feel like Dolores and Maddie would be buddies. Oh, yeah. What? Really? Well... I don't know that I don't know that Maddie would enjoy Dolores very much, that or, is but, true. and vice versa. Yeah, well, I think I, there'd be a lot of judging going on in both directions. I guess I mostly I was thinking about Sister Act starts with young Dolores, and she's, you know, kind of a, a caught up in class. Yeah. Um. So I was thinking at least that she's a kid who adults don't really understand. Yeah, but I think for an inverse reason. That is true. That is very true. Yeah, I don't know that they would be really good friends. I think Dolores and Rooster, again. Yeah. I Actually, now that I think about it, Sister Mary Lazarus, who's like the older nun, um, Uh and she talks about how she's like, man, I liked my convent back in Wisconsin where it's like cold floors and cold water. Like, that's like, that's a Maddie. Yeah, she and Maddie would have a lot to talk about. She's like, I imagine the woman Maddie grew up to be, basically. (laughs) Yeah, and then learned to sing. Yes. Um, yeah, I think uh, obviously Ned Pepper and Vince. Yep, and would... um, 
I think Tom and the uh, Joey and Willie, the henchmen. Yeah, because they're all just kind of losers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think uh, I think yeah. Everybody sort of has a proxy of some kind, which is surprising, yeah. considering that it's Sister Act and True Grit. Right. But it's a lot of archetype going on. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I feel like the 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 rest of the nuns, like um, Sister Mary Patrick and Sister Mary Robert, would like want to take care of Maddie. Uh huh. Um, but then she would be having none of it. Right, and she would lecture them, and then they'd yeah, be she'd like, be like, Maybe. no, I'm going to go do the things that I need to do, and they would yeah. be like, no, honey. You know, you can't go after criminals who shot your father, your and, kid. And she'd be like, I'm going to go to that convent in Wisconsin. That sounds awesome. Yeah. yeah. Hardcore nuns. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, I think there'd be a lot of fun interactions in all of this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if uh, people want to look for fun interactions with other things that are like these, Annie, why don't we move on to some reader's advisories? Yeah. So if you want more Sister Mary Clarence, uh, try Sister Act 2, which also stars a young Lauren Hill. Who is great. Who's great. The the movie is also great. Like, it's different, but just also a delight and mm-hmm. musical fun. And Yeah, instead of the, like, running from a mob boss runner of the 90s, it's the, like, entering a, an at-risk school yeah, runner of the 90s. Yeah, teaching something about life <laughs> yeah, with the arts. Exactly. Um, and there's also the Sister Act musical, which I haven't seen, but like have heard oh, that it's yeah. super fun. How could it not be? Yeah, right? Like this movie is one of those that I'm like, yeah, this could – it was already a musical as a movie and then they made a Broadway musical out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're looking for more Motowny vibes, speaking of music, uh, check out Motown. Like the soundtrack of Sister Act is kind of a little like a best of mm-hmm. in terms of some, some check, of the girl groups. Check out Motown as a genre, not like go to check out Motown, the amusement park. Oh, the, I would go to that amusement park. I actually park. would. That would be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, there is also a Motown the musical oh, that I have right. not seen. Yeah. yeah. Um, but again, that was a, a very much about the music of Motown. Mm-hmm. Um, so some bands that or artists that I really enjoy are Diana Ross and the Supremes, the Four Tops, the Temptations, Smokey Robinson, Martha Reeves and the Mandelas, the Marvelettes, Gladys Knight and the Pips, Little Ava, the Ronettes, the Sh- and the Shirelles. Like those are just some of them. Yeah. Motown is such an awesome genre. It of is music. pretty wonderful. Um, and then if you want a little more narrative with that, try Dreamgirls, which is mm-hmm. uh, both again a musical and a movie. Um, Really fantastic and like not specifically based on – it's not a bi- biopic musical, but I think it's very Supremesy. Yeah, it um, definitely pulls heavily from yeah. their story. Um, and again, really fun. Um, if you want more sisterhood fun, try Call the Midwife. Uh, the book is great. The show is fantastic and just keeps getting better with every season um, and focuses on this great bond of nuns and the non-nun midwives who live and work with them. You wrote yourself a little tongue twister I there. know. I did. <laughs> uh, if you want more hiding out from the mob wackiness, try Some Like It Hot. About, oh, yeah. Yeah, also about uh, musicians who hide out as women in an all-girl band. That's It is pretty wonderful. It's a comedy classic. Yeah, Marilyn Monroe is great in that movie. Yeah, she's so funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you want more 90s feel-good film goodness, try Cool Runnings about a Jamaican bobsled team competing at the Olympics. Yes. Which has one of the best psych-up scenes ever. Mm-hmm. Um, the Preacher's Wife, which is a Christmas movie about a church in trouble and an angel sent to help, um, also features a great choir and soundtrack led by Whitney Houston. And then A League of Their Own about an all-women's baseball league during World War II. There's no crying in it, though. No, don't even try. Nope, don't even. Uh, yeah, those are all excellent recommendations. Yeah, I feel like, they, especially like, I'm like, oh man, what like 90s feel-good films do mm-hmm. I really enjoy? So this was a, a very fun list to put together. Yeah, I bet. 
Um, well, um, so yeah, how about uh, True Grit? Well, yeah, for True Grit, there's a lot of great stuff out there. I would say start with the book. Um, Which actually really mir- um, follows, or the the most recent movie really follows the book pretty yeah. exactly. Like, even especially in the beginning, some of the dialogue is just word for word. Yeah, I think it's fascinating hearing the Coen brothers talk about how they do adaptations, because they talked about this with No Country for Old Men as well, mm-hmm. where they really just try to keep the script as the text of the book and then just cut and cut and cut and cut and cut and trim stuff out yeah. as opposed to writing new scenes or trying to change the dialogue. They try to stay as word perfect as they yeah, can. They, it sounds like they do adaptations of material that they already love. It's not mm-hmm. like, oh, this would be a great idea and now right. I'm going to twist this to make my own movie. Yeah, it's they're drawn to things because of the language or because yeah. of the situations. And so they really just try to make everything that they can visual. And then when they need dialogue, they pull it straight from the source. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really worthwhile. And I know you enjoyed the book a whole lot. Oh, yeah, definitely. I highly recommend it. Mm-hmm. Um, for Western reading, um, I really like the books of Louis L'Amour, uh, partly because I just grew up reading them. My grandfather had this huge, massive anthology of them in these gorgeous leather-bound books uh, that were up at his house in central Pennsylvania in the mountains. And so sitting in a cabin in central Pennsylvania reading Louis L'Amour feels right somehow. Yeah. Um, they're super fun, kind of pulpy adventures in the Elmore Leonard style. Um, I personally just remember Flint most. Um, yeah, there are, you know, it's a lot of like quiet loners coming into situations and saving the town. Um, they're really fun and they're a good way to pass the time if you're just looking for something pulpy and cool. Um, other Coen Brothers movies, uh, they are movie makers who have such specific sensibilities and yet change the style of their movies or the genre um, over and over and over again. So they really have almost like clumps of movies that are like each other um, within the whole universe mm-hmm. of the stuff they make. But for uh, True Grit, I think the closest proxies would be uh, No Country for Old Men, Fargo, and Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? I feel like those three movies kind of are a Venn diagram with True Grit in the center of it. Yeah, I feel like if you put them in a blender, you get a True Grit smoothie. Yeah. Ooh, delicious. Mm. Well, actually, no grit. That probably wouldn't be as no. good. Nobody likes grit in no, the smoothie. No, that is not on the brunch menu. <laughs> um, and then, like I said earlier, uh, True Grit is part of this sort of modern wave of revisionist Westerns. Um, it really started way back in the 90s with Unforgiven. Uh, but over the last decade, there have been a few more. Um, 310 to Yuma, I actually really enjoy. It's a little schlocky than True Grit, but it's a lot of fun and has a wonderful performance by Ben Foster oh, in it. he's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, he's really, really great. And it's a surprisingly good and deep movie. Um, also, uh, The Assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford, way more deliberately paced yes, and slow and very thoughtful. Very much so. Um, I feel a little weird recommending it as well because Casey Affleck's in it and he's wonderful in it, but he has his own sort of raft of problematicness yeah. these days. Um, the sound design in that movie is great. Yeah. It's a stunning movie yeah it's it's maybe a little sleep inducing depending on yeah, who you are some of us might have just curled up on the couch with a blanket <laughs> halfway through but it is very meditative and i found it really lovely and really satisfying and it has some just really stunning visuals to it but it is certainly not an action powerhouse of a western film to be sure uh but brad pitt's great in it as well um and then uh if you're going back for old style westerns um i would actually recommend yojimbo by akira kurosawa there was this fascinating period of time where Japanese samurai films and westerns were in kind of straight-up dialogue with one another, including adapting one another and sometimes ripping each other off. Um, Yojimbo by Kurosawa is like one of the most straight-up western-y feeling movies. It has a great performance by Toshiro Mifune in it. Uh, Mifune, excuse me. Um, And uh, it plays in concert a lot with uh, Sergio Leone's westerns, um, Once Upon a Time in the West and A Fistful of Dollars and A Few Dollars More and The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Um, They are my favorite 
sort of group of Western films. I love Western movies. They're delightful. But Sergio Leone just kind of gets how you have a big, massive scope, but also a super character focus. And they're both too serious and super irreverent all at once. Um, there's some great lines and always great performances. So you can't go wrong with those. Also, check out Duck You Sucker. Um, which is one of his lesser-known westerns and is just totally bonkers. It involves Charles Bronson playing a former IRA fighter in on the Mexican border who literally just throws dynamite around at people, and that's how he fights. It's really good, you guys. Um, so yeah, I think that there's a lot to dive into uh, with westerns as a genre um, and also with the Coen brothers as a genre, mm -hmm. so you really can't go wrong. Um, but uh, yeah, I think we've laid a good bit of groundwork. Yeah. To um, cryogenically freeze our listeners within so that they can be thawed out. And then take their snake powers to the streets of San Francisco. Yeah, cleaning up the streets. Man, I want that comic book now. <laughs> um, but to talk about other comic books that we should be reading and or creating in our brain space, Annie, uh, where should people find more material? So all of our material is available at crossoverappealpodcast.tumblr.com. Uh, and you can email us your snake person fan fiction uh, to crossoverappealpodcast at gmail.com. You can find our Facebook group at Crossover Appeal Podcast. And every when we're not posting episodes, so every other other week, we ask you what you've been listening to or reading or watching. And we want to hear about it yeah. because stuff is cool, you guys. Uh, on Twitter, you can tweet us at Crossover Appeal. Uh, we throw up a lot of gifts and a lot of other delightful randomness on our on our Twitter handle. I don't know. I enjoy it. Yeah. Um, I like the tweetings. Yeah. And uh, But if you want to be most reliably able to find us on a bi-weekly basis and also maybe rate and review us, what should you do, Annie? You should check us out on platforms like iTunes. Yeah. Well, and yeah, we really appreciate the ratings and reviews. So if mm -hmm. you do that, you'll get a gold star. And we'll give you a shout out on the show. Absolutely. The greatest gift of all. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, so in the meantime, you've got a whole lot of homework to do over the next two weeks um, before we will see you. You've got to read all the things that we talked about and watch wow. them. Oh, yeah. There will be a quiz. No. Well, I feel like when people tell me to read or watch or do something, my reaction is usually like, you can't tell me what to do. That is true. I can, yeah, I can speak to that. Yeah. That's accurate. Well, then don't read anything we talked about today. Yeah, read only boring stuff. Wink. Watch only boring stuff. <laughs> but no matter what, come back in two weeks for our next episode. Uh, but for the time being, uh, this has been Crossover Appeal. I'm Walt McGough. And I'm Annie Cardi. And we are reminding you to, as always, please ship responsibly. 